What did you think of that video? What do you make of that? I was, um, I was reading, a, reading a little article about it and uh, somebody had expressed their reaction to it in, in these sort of terms. A bag is a poor symbol for the aspirations of the human heart. But without faith and reflection, we resort to things like $1,500 bags or their equivalent to make us rejoice when Christmas comes around each year. And yet somehow amidst all the toil and tinsel and trim, the sentiment and silliness, greed and guilt and the bustle of our Christmases, we know deep down that there is something profound and miraculous in the message of that first Christmas. It's message of unconditional love bound up in the presence of a person, not a thing, in the gift of a baby, not a bag. I want us to think this morning about the presence of that person today. I love the song that Cindy sang, which reminded us and her thoughts about God actually being present uh, with her, right beside her as she thinks about that. And how might God's presence become a part of your Christmas and my Christmas as we celebrate it this year? Now, Bron touched on uh, names last week and she, she brought uh, to us some just great thoughts about four names of Jesus. You know, when a couple's expecting a baby, um, they usually go through the difficult task of deciding what to name their baby. I know when we had our three kids, I don't think it was all that difficult to agree. I don't remember very well, but I think we agreed pretty readily on the names of our, our three kids. But for Mary and Joseph, it was, it was amazing, amazingly simple because uh, God actually named Mary's baby for them. And so when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, they gave him the name that was given to Joseph uh, by an angel in a dream. And, you know, at that time, names carried, as Bron said last week, names carried significance that names don't carry today. My parents named me Stephen, and uh, I remember reading somewhere that Stephen meant crown or uh, a victor's crown. It's a, a, a name of Greek origin. And I don't think um, my parents had in mind that, you know, they wanted me to be some victorious Olympic athlete when they named me Stephen, you know, that I'd be a winner in some realm of life. I think they named me Stephen because they liked the sound of it and it was sort of popular at the time. Uh, but at the time of the first Christmas, the, the meaning of a name was, was incredibly important. And last week, Bron spoke of these four names, wonderful, wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And in this uh, reading that we had this morning that was done so beautifully for us by Tim and Amanda, um, we have two more names of Jesus that, be, that come out for us. And I want to focus on one of those in particular this morning. Let's have a look at those uh, verses from Matthew 1. The first name is Jesus. After he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will be, give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And then further on the next slide, we have the other name, and that's the name Emmanuel. All this, therefore, the Lord himself. There's a prophecy in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, the verses that Ron spoke to us about last week from Isaiah, chapter 9. This is just before that. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. All this took place, and this is from Matthew, uh, quoting the verse from Isaiah, all this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. And Matthew adds for, by way of explanation that Emmanuel means God with us. And so the name Jesus means God saves. Yahweh, the God of heaven, Jehovah, God saves. Uh, and the name Emmanuel means God with us. And we're going to explore that second name, Emmanuel, just a little more today. 
You know, there's been a really popular song uh, on the radio. It's a real catchy little tune that uh, says, I, I want to dance by water beneath the Mexican sky. Who knows the one? I want to drink some margaritas by a string of blue lights. I want to listen to the mariachi play at midnight. Are you with me? Are you with me? And it just goes on. It says that, that, that's just that verse. Very profound words, aren't they? Um, but it's quite catchy. And it's this little refrain, are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me this morning? Are you with me? I listen to it and I get the sense that the question, are you with me, is there because the enjoyment and the richness of the dancing and the drinking underneath that Mexican sky and the listening to the Mexican folk music would be quite hollow if you aren't with me. Are you with me? Are you with me? And I think we understand that, don't we? And that's something that's really worth thinking about at Christmas. Our enjoyment, as uh, Betty Crocker told us this morning, is a whole lot to do with the people that we share it with. I wonder who you need to be present with this Christmas. I wonder if there's people in your life who you know, maybe at a little bit of a distance, uh, but they're really lonely. And maybe Christmas for them is going to be just one or two people. I was speaking to a, a lady at the... Uh, night they had for the Bargain Browser Volunteers. And I said, what's Christmas like for you? She says, oh, pretty quiet. My son comes over. We eat and drink way too much. And then we watch a movie. And I thought, compared to my <laughs> family of 30 or whatever, people who come over and we all interact and we have a great time together and we, we enjoy each other's presence, some people have a sad way of celebrating Christmas. They can't uh, enjoy the presence of people. I wonder if there's people like that who you know, who you could invite into your Christmas this year so that your presence uh, could impact them. I want to also, when you think about presents, you have to watch my articulation because it's not very good, presents with a T, as this thing from presents with an S, is it possible to give presents with a T that actually involve your presence with a C? For example, you might have um, grandchildren and you could buy them tickets to the zoo rather than giving them a, pet, a toy zebra or something. You could buy them tickets to the zoo and accompany them. What are things that you could give to someone, like a coffee voucher or something, that enabled you to spend time uh, with them? So I reckon that's a great way of thinking about presents. I remember a friend of ours who came around to our place religiously every year, a really good friend who we'd, we'd known a long, for over a lot of years, but we didn't see that much. But he made the effort every year to come to our place with a very small present. It might be a little thing of chocolates, and we had a little one to, to reciprocate. But it was a fantastic time to catch up. We'd have a coffee, and we'd sit, and we'd talk for probably an hour or two. And that was often the only time that we caught up in the year. And uh, we valued the fact that they made the effort to be present with us uh, before Christmas. And so there's just a couple of things to think about, about in terms of presence. But maybe the thing that we need to think about even more is the presence of Jesus, the presence of God in our lives that we've come to understand through Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. You see, life was meant to be lived in close relationship with God. And you know, there's a sense in which the whole story of the Bible is the story of God with us. That simple expression, God with us, is really the story of the Bible. If you go from the start of the Bible in, in Genesis, you, you read about Adam and Eve walking with God in the, in the garden. And you get to the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21, and it talks about a new heaven and a new earth. And uh, the, it says that the dwelling of God 
is with men and he'll dwell with them and he'll be their God and he'll wipe away every tear from their eye. And so God uh, in the beginning with, with people and God at the end in the new heaven and the new earth uh, with us. And yet all through numerous times in the Old Testament story you read that key statement of relationship that says something like this, I will be their God and they will be my people. That's God's desire for us, that we'll be his people and that he'll be our God. That was his desire for Israel. And, and the quote of, of this uh, promised child, um, God with us, to King Ahaz of, of Israel in Isaiah 7, which is the, the quote that's um, reiterated in Matthew and, and seen as, as Jesus coming, seen as the fulfilment of that prophecy, it looked forward to a time when um, it, was a, it was a grim time, but it, looked, it was a promise that was uh, to give them hope in that grim time, that God actually was, was going to be with them in the coming of a child. And it was the same promise made to Moses centuries earlier when God was bringing them out of Egypt. There was this closeness closeness of relationship that was going to distinguish the people of Israel from all the other peoples of of the earth. I'll be your God and you'll be my people. You know, Israel sadly didn't always enjoy the closeness of relationship as the people of God because of their their willful disobedience, their turning away from God. But God didn't give up on them. God didn't abandon them or his promise to them that all the nations of the earth would be blessed because of them and that God ultimately would have a people uh, for his name. And, you know, we come then to the Christmas story and at an unlikely time in the history of the world, when Caesar Augustus was the powerful emperor of the Roman Empire, when the Jewish people were living in occupied territory, occupied by the Romans, Caesar Augustus, a tyrant, his name Augustus meant holy, or revered one. It was a title that had been reserved for the gods up until his time, and he then adopted it onto the emperor. And he was uh, one who, in ancient inscriptions, described himself as the saviour of the whole world. And so on the throne, emperor in Rome, we have one who's seeing himself as a god and calls himself the saviour of the whole world. And he brought about peace, the peace of Rome, Pax Romana, but he'd done it by bludgeoning every foe that he had into submission. And at that time, that very time in history, a village carpenter and his expectant teenage bride, poor, uneducated, Jewish, they find themselves pregnant, not in the, in the normal way, but through the activity of the Spirit of God, and a child is born, and that child is given the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So that's the ultimate fulfilment of that prophecy in Isaiah 7. And there's quite a contrast, isn't there, between this Caesar Augustus and this little baby, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Caesar, a man, just a man, but a man who'd become uh, God in his own and people's eyes. And Jesus, who was the true God, but who had humbled himself to become a man. And so I want to just look really quickly at... uh, the emphasis in these three words, God with us. My dad used to tell a story about some uh, migrant person who was struggling with English and uh, he said he, he, he was pretty good with the vocabulary but he wasn't so good with the abominable emphasis. And uh, <laughs> did you get that? <laughs> uh, but we can emphasise different things and we can uh, certainly, in this uh, context, in these three words, emphasise God. We need to remember at Christmas time that this baby who was born in Bethlehem was no ordinary baby. This is God. God come in the flesh. 
this is God. You know, we appreciate greatness in people, don't we, who somehow in their uh, celebrity and in their fame are able to maintain that common touch. I remember when I worked at uh, Nissan, we had a, uh, a managing director who'd come out of an HR role and he ended up being the CEO of Nissan Australia, but he had that common touch. I remember meeting him in the shops in Templestowe and uh, introduced myself to him and said I'd met him once before and he was just like any other person, doing his shopping and, and just very personable. And we admire that in people, don't we? Now, the amazing thing in a, a, an incredibly uh, greater way is that in Jesus, God became man. In the book of John in the New Testament, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and that's Jesus, the Word, and the Word was with God, and it says the Word was God. And a little later on in that chapter, it says the Word became flesh. God became a man. The Word took on a human body and became one of us. It's really too amazing for us to understand. It's mind-blowing for us. How can the infinite one become an infant? And yet this is the miracle of the Christmas story, that the Word became flesh. In the book of Philippians, it talks about Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. He took on the form of a servant and became in the likeness of man and he humbled himself. And so that's our God coming into this world as a baby, but he's in very nature God. In the book of Galatians, it says, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And so the amazing thing there is that the creator himself enters the world via the creation and he's born under the law. And so the one who was the originator of the law becomes subject to the law. And so God, in the person of Jesus, is born as a human baby and yet he is God eternal. So let's not lose sight of the fact that this baby who is God with us is God with us. He is God. Secondly, uh, there's the, the with word, and uh, that's a big word too. God with us. God with us. With is just a simple little word, isn't it? Uh, and yet it's highly significant it's in its contents, context here. God is on one side and we're on the other side. God in all his perfection and us in all our brokenness. God in whom there's no darkness at all and us who have a propensity to go our own way and do the wrong thing and often get overcome by the darkness in our own hearts. God, old preacher C.A. Spurgeon said, God, there lies the majesty. God with us, there lies the mercy. He said, God, there lies the glory. God with us, there lies the grace. And so God is merciful and gracious to us. God alone, if we were to confront him, he might strike terror into us. And yet God with us inspires us with hope and with confidence. Jesus, our Emmanuel, comes. God with us. God is present with us. He's not distant. God is approachable. God is revealing himself to us in Jesus. He's with us in our humanity. So in Jesus we see all the perfection of God. He lives a sinless life. In Jesus we see all the power of God. He does amazing miracles. And in Jesus we see all the wisdom of God in the way he teaches and shows us a way to live. And in Jesus we see how we can be redeemed back to God. Jesus is given that name, Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sin. You see, God wants to be with us. 
It's wrapped up in the very character and the nature of who God is. He designed us for a relationship with him. Sometimes I think we don't think of God like that. A lot of people think about God as being against us. God as being silent towards us. God as being distant from us. Maybe even God as being opposed to us. But through Jesus, following Jesus can know that God is with us. And when Jesus comes on that first Christmas as this little baby, God is demonstrating to us that he wants to be with us. And then finally, God with us. God with us. You know, in the Old Testament, when Moses was given the law in about Exodus chapter 19, if you read it, it's just scary. It's uh, all sorts of uh, incredible stuff happening. And uh, only a select few people like Moses and the high priest really felt uh, able to approach God. And yet people didn't hesitate to approach this baby in Bethlehem, did they? God has become approachable in Jesus. God is with us. In Jesus, God shares our nature. He shares our experience of life. He shares all that it is to be human. Jesus is God with us as he moves in uh, Mary's womb or Mary's belly, as uh, Amanda would have said, um, as he wriggles in the manger straw, as he feeds the hungry, as he heals the sick. Jesus is God with us as near the end of his life. He symbolically, symbolically takes bread in his hands and says, this is my body broken for you. Jesus is God with us as he hangs on a cross, gasping for breath and shouting, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus descended into our messy world and he stands with us in our human suffering and he plunges deeply into our pain and he understands what it's like to be abandoned and he shows us that anyone, anyone can come to God, anyone can come to this humble Jesus You see, the us in the name Emmanuel includes all of us. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, I'm not good enough for God, I somehow can't approach him, he's unapproachable. Don't stay away from God through fear that you don't measure up. You know, one great part of the Christmas story is that the shepherds came to him. The shepherds were really often uh, despised people in those days. They were the lowest of the low. And yet they came to him very quickly. And I don't read anything about them changing their clothes or going to the temple to confess their sins and clean themselves up. God accepts us as we are. And we come to Jesus just as we are. He doesn't leave us just as we are. He wants to do a transforming work in us. But he, come, he, he, he wants to change us more and more into his image. But he accepts us uh, and invites us to come to him. He wants to be with us in the here and now. There's two great verses in Hebrews, and this is what they say. It was necessary for him that's Jesus, to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. God with us. God with us. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So what are we to do with this idea of presence with a T, and presence with a C this Christmas. I just want to say a couple of things as I close. The first thing is that the presence of other people in our lives brings quality and, and joy to our lives. So I wonder whether your Christmas resolution should be the same as uh, Betty Crocker's down here. Um, be fully present in the time that you have with family and friends. When we're filled up with the presence of others, 
and with Jesus' presence in our lives, then the Christmas presents are like cherries on the cake. They're just a little added extra when we're enjoying the fact that God is with us in Jesus and the people we love and even some of the people who we just just know but want to include are with us. I wonder what it looks like for you to be fully present for people. And maybe this is something you need to think about this Christmas. What would it look like for you in the days leading up to Christmas to put away your mobile phone, to put away your iPad, to not look at Facebook and to be totally focused on just being present with the people who matter to you? That's a challenge. Pretty hard for some of us, but it's a challenge. I wonder if you're here today and you'd say, well, yeah, it's really simple for me. I, I know that, that the thing that I value more than, more than just presence with a T is the presence of God in my life. I, I, I really do value that. Um, and I think many of us who follow Jesus would say that. But how many of us can honestly say that we want God's presence with a C more than we want what we can get out of being in the presence of God. Because I think often we want God more for what God can give us than wanting God for God himself. We want what God can give us in terms of health and wealth and knowledge and a better job and a better place to live and security and all those sorts of things. And God might indeed want to give us those things. But we can't have those things apart from him. Presence with a T might make us happy for a time. Earthly gifts from God that he might choose to give us, they can make us happy temporarily, just like most material things do. But real joy comes only when we know God's intimate presence in close relationship with him in the everyday. You know, Matthew begins his gospel talking about Jesus being given the name Emmanuel, God with us. And at the very end, he finishes with a promise to his followers and he says, Therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's the promise of God to us. God with us, as we remember him at Christmas in the coming of that little baby, God with us in all of our struggle, in all of our pain, in all of our joys, God wants to be in intimate relationship with you. I wonder if that's your experience this morning. I trust that it is. If it's not, I'd love to talk to you. Troy, I'd love to talk to you about what it would look like for you to actually say yes to Jesus, to invite him into your life, to take control, to forgive you for all that's that's been wrong in your life, to put that behind you and to go on uh, living a life with God at the very centre. Just a couple of questions as we have a a song that we're going to sing together at the close. And they're questions that we've covered as we've talked through. I wonder this Christmas, who could I be present for who might otherwise be alone? I texted someone this week and asked them about that and uh, I challenge you to do the same. How could my presence involve my presence too? How could you give something that actually means you go along for the ride? Um, Is God's presence in my life right up there on my wish list? Or is just the busyness of Christmas meant that God has been pushed to the side? Do I, I want gifts from God more than I want God himself? What does it mean to have a, an intimate relationship with Jesus? And I trust you haven't kept God at a distance because you feel you're not good enough for him because Jesus, God with us, is, is an approachable God and he wants you to know him and to live uh, in relationship with him.